Welcome back, you guys. Nice to see you again. This is Richard Sachs, and we're here to talk with our friend, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. And he wants to get into some of the environmental factors we're dealing with now, uh, dealing with the lies that we're told by the media and the government ent- entities that we've got, all the experts around us working for hidden hand uh, entities that we don't see, and how you actually deal with that environment of untruth. It's very challenging right now, and I want to see what insights Gabriel has for us to talk about today. It should be relevant to your everyday life. So welcome, Gabriel, and nice to see you again. Okay, good to see you. And I welcome you all with love, and thank you for listening in and participating. So today... Once we do our dance for spiritual joy to get the energy going and meditate for a little bit, we're going to just take a look at really raising the question of how do we respond to all the lies, big lies that us as a nation, us as a people, us as a world have been told because now it's all coming out. So how do we to respond and how do we respond in, let's say, the, the highest octave way where, where we can actually grow from the experience of the attempted deception? So first we'll do a little dancing and kind of get our heart and, uh, a little spiritual joy, which kind of connects us to kind of higher levels of the divine. And then a little bit, two, three minutes of meditation. And for meditation, it's good. We just can you, if you don't have a mantra, a way to meditate, you can focus on this name of God that Moses got at the burning bush. It's Yod on the in-breath and the out-breath. Wah on the in-breath and the out-breath. Yod from the base up to the heart. Hey, out through the heart. Waft from the base to the third eye. Hey, out through the heart. And you just can repeat that until your mind's quiet. The other thing we do is, at the end of the dance, just focus on the energy coming from my eyes. It's called a mystical thing called inter-inclusion, where we kind of uh, open up the energies. So, with that... Let's do a little dance and, 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 and invite everyone to dance. Okay? Here we go. Okay.
Here we go. And now into meditation. Yo slowly come out of meditation. Sorry for the disruption. My phone wouldn't work right. But let's go right into things. So what we What I want to talk about is that most everyone who's listening to this program is aware that we have been consistently lied to. I first learned about this consistent lying in 1963 assassination of JFK. 
it, it took me about a year to figure it out, and I would say that was the most politically uh, a wake-up call uh, that I received. That was the, the let's say, political activation call. Um, was the assassination JFK, and you know, we, we I knew clearly that that was from the CIA. Now, later when JFK was about to die, he admitted that he was the one who gave the order. And, of course, the one who directly benefited from it as well, as he got sworn in as president. There's more to that story. That's not over here. But there's a lot of politics. And then we look at the murder of Malcolm X, which also uh, many people believe was a CAA uh, operation, including him, because I got a message from him because I was supposed to meet him and he couldn't meet. He was, um, he said that there's big forces chasing after me and uh, he wasn't, couldn't be too, pum too public. Uh, and the message was that he was assassinated by a CIA agent. And then it goes on, Dr. Martin Luther King, and it just goes on and on and on, you know, of the different lies and uh, uh, stories that people were told to believe. And then, we, we of course, we have 9-11, the fourth building that no plane came into, Okay, and the other buildings where quote plane hit it. Now you've ever heard of a plane knocking down a building? No, and the ample evidence that there was explosive planted in the building to structurally bring it down, just like the fourth building was brought down. Now this just goes on and on. Okay, and then we have uh, more recently the big COVID psyop. Uh, the uh, planned food collapse as if there's something wrong with the farmers and of course they're shutting down the farm so they won't produce the food and they're cutting off the fertilizer okay so it's a planned societal collapse we have the collapse of law and order we see it very clearly in uh, all the farcical ways that Trump is being attacked. He's just one of many. Uh, we're looking at a threat of a, a collapse of the uh, electrical grid. Um, and at the same time, we've been told there's free energy available. It's just that nobody knows how to access it, but they know how the, the, the research. Free energy is available. If they want to give it to us, we can have it now. Okay. Uh, potential currency collapse, weather manipulations, earthquake manipulations. Um, it's like there's a war against God, God's creation, so to speak. That, okay? Um, and so all these things and, and, uh, that are going on, that many people are seeing through it. You know, we have the Hunter Biden you know, laptop find and, you know, all the uh, undermined deals with China that, you know, that the government or Biden's particularly has been involved in. The point is there's a consistent number of lies happening. Now, many of them are being uncovered. And so the question that I raise is not about the lies because that's kind of, uh, you know, it's important information, but it's not, um, the real information that I want to talk about now is what do we do with that? How does our soul cope with the basic fundamentals of human trust have been violated? How, how do we, in a sense, uh, 
learn how to cope with the fact that uh, organ- world organizations, governmental organizations, we can't really tell what's going on. We can't tell that what's true, what isn't true, although it's getting clear, clearer and clearer what isn't true as the lies are coming, are being kind of uh, exploded. So my question is, and what I really want to focus on is, well, how do we internally integrate that? And what I find that helps is to know in a deeper philosophical, spiritual way that the, and this is how we get a spiritual lesson for this, is that the only truth is the light of God within us. And the outer world is the world of illusion. Now, that's spiritual talk, but in perfect reality, we are seeing a world of illusion, just one illusion after another, you know, to confuse people and scare people and control people and take advantage of people and to enslave people. Okay, fear is one of those weapons. So we see that going on, and at some point, as we get more tuned in, the way we can cope with it and, in a sense, keep a, a very even keel is simply to know the inner truth. That there's only one, there's only God, and we carry that light of God within us. The result is that we then can witness, important term here, what's going on without getting involved with it emotionally or mentally because it's really not to be trusted. Now, I don't mean we don't trust our intimate relations. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the world events as a stage, as a play to manipulate and confuse people. Okay, and ultimately enslave people. So the the key then is to go inside and feel the light of God, or some people call it the, the big self, the divine self inside. And that's the truth. The other part of the truth is to see the dance in the divine in the outer world. Now, that dance in the divine in the outer world isn't the lies, but it's the awareness that we can take into ourselves uh, from observing the lies and not getting caught in the outer story. Because in, 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 in the spiritual reality, there's only one story, and that's the story that there's only God. Well, once we get that, then everything else is simple because we can just observe what's going on without uh, connecting our soul to it. And then slowly we can build trust in different ways. But that's the way we, we, we to cope with it so that you're not constantly in a state of being deceived and angry about being deceived. It's like, this is just what's going on. It's been going on for in our lifetimes, pretty consistently. I said since 63, I mean, there are other things that went on. I mean, 19, in the World War II with Japan, Roosevelt knew that they were going to bomb Pearl Harbor. We didn't tell people because they wanted to start a war. Okay? So, there's just, you know, it's, it's pretty constant. But in our lifetimes, I'm noting the particular um, deceptions that we're uh, forced to face and the key is not to be deceived because if we remember that truth and I keep repeating that we aren't deceived, we're just seeing the play of illusion in the outer world and not counting on it to be real so 
that's kind of where I want to start. I want to bring Richard in into this because this is a very, very important coping mechanism. And I'm going to say awakening mechanism, liberation mechanism at the different levels. Uh, so we can truly understand that there's only that or the truth within us and all the rest is the world of emotion. So Richard, I want to invite you in here. So I talk, you can talk. <laughs> then I'll talk. Yeah, you're saying the question of the attitude, what to have about what's going on in the world. Right. With all the untruth and the deception and the illusions and all that stuff. I don't know. I, I think we each have our own background and experience of it and are talking from there. Otherwise, it's just theory, you know, you're talking from what you experience. And my experience, I remember more of what it is to be normal, what I call normal. And before I came in to this particular lifetime, my thought was, as many of us probably had, um, that it was really a mess down here in the physical so-called reality that we know is an illusion, but it feels real when you're in it. And it's really important, you know, to respect what people are going through, even though it's an illusion. It feels real to them. And I remember looking, so to speak, down at it from before this lifetime and thinking, we need to do something. This is really unacceptable mess. And it's gone too far negative to fix it with explanations or debates or, you know, anything like that. It's going to have to be by frequency in some way. And we thought, well, there's no problem in doing that because as channels of God, you know, using our pure intent like you do in the World Peace Meditation, but with full openness, not impartial consciousness, we can change this back into harmony without a problem. And so some of us came with that in mind to do. And, and in my case, um, I got out of touch with it very soon after coming in and haven't gotten it back yet. And I have the memory, but it's like, yeah, the sense of knowing and, and the it's not a belief. It, it's, you know, I, I remember more of the reality. But that doesn't do it. You've got to be able to translate that into real experience and that's my whole interest and really the only thing that is a motive for me in the rest of this lifetime is to make that real and I'd like um, to do it soon because I'm really in touch with what's going on in a lot of the world to a considerable depth and I feel it because many of us in spiritual talking say we're all one well I feel the reality that we're all one. So the suffering that's going on in the case of people all over the world, families and individuals, if, if you feel your oneness with them, you want to, you don't let it drag you down, as you were saying, because that, that's counterproductive. But without losing your own center, you want to do anything you can to help. And that's my sense. And the only thing I can see is to get back who we are in real experience and then use that to become channels like in the world peace meditation to change the outside world and the fate of other people and I think we can still do that so I hope that doesn't sound totally incoherent sure. no it's very clear and I think that the key is when you are at peace within yourself and you're able to witness rather than to identify with the outer illusion, we are more in a position to help from a place of real empathy and understanding and about also clarity of mind because we're not in emotional reaction to what's going on. So yeah. the, the key is if we can become witnesses of it, we can get enough distance from it that we can actually make the clearest decisions to be the most effective in helping Okay, you know, as we see our purpose, as you and I both do, of trying to uplift the world. And of course, 
the piece 20, the well, piece 21 meditation of each equal action process, but also the world healing meditation on every Sunday at uh, 6 15 Israel time are very straightforward ways to upgrade the global mind, the global consciousness. Um, and so we can do that, and that gets easier and easier as more people get involved. The key is to be an inner, you know, to be in a witness state so we're free to move in a way that we can best help. Rather than being emotional bondage of, uh, that keeps us from doing the, the highest investment. Yeah, I totally agree. And I had to go through this process of it, it's a real subtle distinction between what you're the balance that you're describing and what some people call complete detachment, where you don't care. It, it's not the same thing. It's and, totally different. Let me just use two terms to help. Detached means you're disconnected from it. Non-attachment means you resonate with it, but you're not attached to it emotionally and mentally so you can be clear and be helpful. Non-attachment versus detachment. Detachment is a very separated, kind of almost a negative state, whereas non-attachment is the state I'm talking about. This came up for me when I was first doing the you know, several decades of investigation into the global power structure because I took it all the way up to the top of the human level and above, and the the level of darkness there is um, beyond description. And if if you don't have the kind of non-attachment that you're talking about, it'll eat you up, and then you you can't clearly see it and decide what to do. So I had to separate out aspects of my own mind and what I found out is that there is one part of your mind that's a faculty like strategic awareness that just lets you learn what's going on with something and there's another part that's like an emotional feeding capability and normally those are by default tied together so with most people Anything that they look at to become aware of it, they also pick up the emotion of it. And it's like a feeding on on an emotional level. And you can destroy yourself. And this happens to uh, police detectives when they're studying serial killers to understand their next move. It's like they get so into it, typically, that they can have an emotional breakdown and then they're not effective at anything. So there's a way to separate those faculties so that you have strategic awareness and then you take your emotional connection and move that away from what you're looking at to what is ever the most beautiful, uplifting, and inspiring thing to you that you're talking about with God and spiritual values and things like that. And as long as you don't move it from there or to something better, then you can look at whatever you need to look at and make clear, you know, coherent decisions without being wiped out by it. It's a very important distinction. You're actually uh, bringing up a very important principle, which is, again, what we're talking about, how to, how to cope with all this going on. Right. And an easy way to remember is touch, don't blend. So you, you have to touch it to experience it. Okay? So in the non-attachment, there still has to be a touching to experience it, but you don't want to get engulfed by it. Because then you're engulfed and you're not clear. So touch, but don't blend. Blending means you kind of uh, are sucked into the experience and then become part of it and can't be as effective in uh, uplifting it. So touch, don't blend is a really easy way to think about it. Right, right. Now it's very important and you know, some of us remember, and like you're talking about with the Sunday meditation class, um, that we actually have the potential and the natural state that we once could access with no problem to become a channel for the light coming from God to transmute even really nasty individuals without talking to them just by transfer of energy. And 
many of us are talking about that and the challenge now in this time in history is to move that from belief and knowing on an intellectual level to demonstrating, not in a token way, but on a global scale. And I think that's what it all comes down to. When are we going to do that? Right. And then we also retain the power to be able to make the change without getting emotionally overloaded. Because what's going on, if we get let ourselves get too much in touch with it, is overwhelming. It's overwhelming. So that's the key. And somehow making it through, experiencing it, not denying it, not freezing off to it, but experiencing it, but not so heavily that we can't function after we touch, experience it. So that's why you touch it. Right. And people can practice this balance that you're talking about all day, every day in the events that come up, moment by moment, and yeah. see where the attention is. And meditation is a very important uh, um, power to build because it gets you more in touch with your inner truth, which then helps you develop the witness so you can be at peace in looking at the outer. Right. So if you were going to give people an assignment between now and when we talk again next time, what would you say to practice during the day? I would practice two things. I would practice meditating so we can get in touch with that inner light and then feel that inner light and from the power of the inner light become an observer of the outer world as a way of experiencing it. Become a witness of the outer world. Again, doesn't mean you're detached, but you're a witness so you can tune into it, but then be able to back uh, to, to keep a certain witness uh, relationship with it. So those are the two things. Meditating and learning how to be a witness. The outer events. And I think when you're being a witness, one way to look at it is which way is the direction of current? You know, are you, if you look at the emotional energy of the situation around us, which is often very dystopic, is that flowing into you, or is the light that you're transmitting flowing out into what's around you? If it's well, flowing through you and out, you're not affected by it. If it's flowing into you, you can be overwhelmed like you're talking about. I think the key is that you don't want to be detached, so you have to experience energy and let it pass through. So if, if you don't have like the hooks that allow things to, to, to come into you and then get stuck, you've cleared out a lot of your own emotional attachments, then you're in a position to let it pass through. You can feel it, but it passes through. And that's the key. And we do that, again, with meditation and internal processing of who we are. So we get clearer and clearer with ourselves. Yep, I would agree. In a way, it's really simple. You know, if you want to be able to direct your attention and your emotional focus, you have to first become aware of where it is. And most of us walk through life with it scattered all over the place, unconscious. So I would say one really helpful factor to be able to actually do what you're talking about is to become start becoming aware of your own thoughts and emotions instead of having them unconscious. Then you can decide where you want them to go. That's it. And so this is requires and I'm say a certain level of emotional maturity, a certain level of personality maturity, and really meditative strength. Because you have to hold on to that inner light. It's so easy to lose it with all the chaos going around us, which is what they want us to do. Lose our touch with the inner self and get caught, caught up and overwhelmed with the outer events. And what we're talking about today is 
how to not be overwhelmed by the outer events, which are really, I mean, my, that list I gave everybody, those are all outer events everybody's facing. And it's like, how do we get not overwhelmed with it and we're able to look at it, be at peace with it? That's the key. Because then we're not in fear and we're not going to be confused. So in a way you're saying to relax. Right. Yeah. On a, on a deep level. Relax into the situation, but don't ignore the situation. You know, be at peace with it. I guess there's another way of looking at it. From the viewpoint, uh, a spiritual viewpoint, when we witness what we're saying is this is the play of God. It's our responsibility to take a spiritual lesson from the particular play that's going on. However horrible, however terrible, however scary, whatever, how do we draw that? So we can't do that without being in the witness position. In the witness position, then we have a chance to, to really grow from the experience rather than being overwhelmed and terrified. Right. And the witness position, again, if you describe that, it doesn't mean not caring what's going on. Yeah, the witness position means feeling, but it passes through. It means touch, don't blend. It means non-attachment, like we feel it, but we're not going to let it control us. We're not going to let the emotions or terror or fear of the situation control us. And this is why we, you know, people talk about uh, the COVID being a fear demic. Okay, because people let the fear control them. And it turns out, as we're looking at it, the real danger was, uh, according to all the statistics, seems to be much more the bioweapon shot rather than COVID, which is kind of a cold or a flu, or some people don't even feel it as anything. But let's call it a bad flu. How many years have we been exposed to bad flus? So all this goes on. And... Um, we don't want to let that dominate us, but we just, we stay in witness, we take care of ourselves, we do the appropriate things, and then life goes on. How does this relate to the idea of non-compliance? Well, non-compliance has to do with the ability to see through the lie. Non-compliance, if you understand as what's pretty uh, commonly out there at this moment, that there are great dangers, that, that one, COVID's not a big problem. Two, in societies where they gave the bioweapon injection known as the vaccine, that they had the worst outcomes. We go to Africa, they had the best outcomes because they didn't really get very much vaccinated. Okay, so non-compliance is, wait, there's something wrong with this. People are getting sick. They're getting heart attacks. They're getting myocarditis. Uh, they're getting uh, dulling of brain, dulling of consciousness. They're losing their contact with God. It goes on and on. This goes on. They're having mental problems. They're getting depression. They're getting anxiety, like 50% of them, approximately. And it's like, hmm, I don't think I want to take something that could possibly cause that in me. So I'm not going to go along with it. That's what non-compliance really is. It's not out of fear. It's out of common sense. So what if you are in a employment position in law enforcement, military, medical enforcement, things like that, and you're given orders to do things that you know actually are immoral? Well, you're asking a, a different level of question. Let's just stay with airline pilots who were asked to, they, they would be fired if they didn't take the bioweapon, if they didn't take the injection. Yeah, exactly. Now, so many airline pilots who took the injection are dead that there's a shortage of airline pilots. Now they're asking the airline pilots, just like they are in the Army, mm -hmm. to come back, the ones who chose not to get the bioweapon injection. 
So the Army's like, wow, we're 10,000 people short. And then, you know, we lost all these really good people. We'd like them to come back. And they are doing that now. They've changed the And the airlines are doing the same thing. They don't have enough pilots. Because the people who got the injection, particularly when you're flying high like that, you know, you're going to get more likely to get clots and things like that. Um, so there's a shortage of pilots. And that's uh, not me saying that. That's just in the news. Uh, so, uh, how we deal with it is it unfolds and the wrong thinking, whether it was benign or malevolent, doesn't matter. It unfolds and those people who are wise enough not to get the, the bioweapon injection are now, you know, going to be asked back and maybe in a very good way, uh, to start flying and to, you know, with armed forces and so forth again. Uh, so people were slow to wake up. There was great pressure. But I think, you know, there's a lot of airline pilots that aren't very happy about if they did take the injection and very concerned. And they are the same thing. So, uh, and women or men who got the injection they, this goes on, it can be uh, transferred for generations, literally. So now, the sought-after people, I'm going to say sought-after men, are men who haven't been injected because they have healthy semen. And all that stuff is going on now. It's just like turned everything upside down. First you reject because you didn't know, I don't want to go without anybody who hasn't had the injection. But now there's a movement to find men or let's say men who have not been injected as, as being more a, 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 a choice and also uh, the, the semen from men who haven't been injected as women's choice if they're, if they're having uh, a, uh, being inseminated artificially. So it turns it around. But funny enough, you know, men who have not been injected uh, are, uh, let's say, for a certain group of women who are conscious, and there's a lot more women are conscious than men in many ways, they're going to be more interested in the man who didn't receive the bioweapon injection. So that's how it works. So is there any connection if you look at, for example, the movies we saw coming out of Australia uh, during the COVID scam of the police beating people with batons for not wearing a mask for a minute or not having taken a vaccine or walking more than the right number of meters away from their house? What about the decision that those people have to have of whether to keep their job as police if they're ordered to do something like that? Well, <clears throat> Australia is an interesting example because, unfortunately, they they really believed what they were doing. And so, the, po- the police did, you mean? Pardon? The police believed it, you mean? Uh, yeah. I think they were really acting quite viciously, if you saw, beating up these ladies, choking them you know, who are just stepping outside their apartment. Um, they, there's a certain brutality that went on, and it, it's kind of a, a little, maybe a little bit more of a cultural thing, but um, they seem to be fine. They still seem to be fine with it. Uh, they're, you know, Australia now, they're pushing it in some areas that people get have to get more injections. And yeah, they're, they're kind of crazy with it. I, I don't understand with all the data out there how they can ignore it. But when you're enough fear, I guess you can ignore any level of reality. Uh, Australia is not a place I would go to. So it's not, it's not a question, a moral question for those police people because they believe in it. But if you find yourself in one of those jobs and you do know then you can't follow the orders. You can't comply. Correct. Whether you get your job back or not is a secondary Correct. question. You can't do it. 
because it goes against yeah. yourself. Then you become like World War II and the Germans, are you going to do this or, you know, commit the crimes to be accepted or are you going to somehow get out, get out from it? Right. So it's, it's always the question that comes up, you know, and uh, it's very real. And the good news is that there are many people who are waking up to this kind of situation that are governments have put us in with their mandates and so forth and the mass media and people are not complying but more than that people don't want to be complicit what i mean is you know it's wrong you may have gotten injected but you're not going to force your neighbor to do it you know you, you there's ways to kind of wink your eye at it so to speak and and not try to enforce people, and I think we see a lot of that happening. Yeah, what I'm looking forward to is the high level government officials and corporate officials getting struck with conscience and becoming whistleblowers and defectors. There's nothing to whistleblow. It's all out. Who you who you who are you alerting? Well, I don't mean that we need the news. I mean. A change of heart in the people on the in okay, my, yeah. position. I think there is some of that happening. Yeah, I do too. I'm a little optimist, and I think that there's an, enough good people at the different levels that that is. You know, but that brings us kind of where we want to kind of end with is these things happen, and we have we are responsible for our responses. That's the hard thing. We are responsible for our responses. And before we take an action, we need to get very clear on what's really happening so we can make the appropriate decisions. And I think a lot of people have a lot of remorse for, you know, getting themselves injected. We have that injection remorse syndrome. And, uh, but also people who forced it on people. There's there's a lot of guilt and bad feelings, and you can only do it. There's two levels. You're ignorant. Okay, I was ignorant. I didn't know. I now know. I'm not going to let those kind of things happen again. Or there's people who know but still choose to do it. That's a different story because that's a level of you know fascism in that way, and and. Um, but still, remorse needs to be accepted if people can really change. So the, the key, though, for us uh, in the human level is learning how to witness and step back so we don't get sucked into the paranoia, sucked into the fear, sucked into the lies, and act in ways that are, are reflexively uh, that really makes us make bad decisions. So we want to look, understand, touch, but not necessarily blend into the mass consciousness that may be doing things that, that you know, in this case did things that uh, later, some people later regret. So I bless everyone that we have that uh, power and they develop the power and I'm going to say through meditation and, and, and clear thinking uh, and witness thinking to not get sucked in. And I don't mean everybody's going to be 100%, but, even, but not getting sucked in on all the different things they throw at us, we get more and more skilled. So I bless everybody that we get more and more skilled of being able to see the truth of things. And as it resonates also with our inner self. So peace be with you. Again, may everybody be blessed with that insight, the ability to have that insight. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Om shanti, shanti, shanti. Thank you, Dr. Cousins. Um, it's not too much I can add to that except to say Get in touch with yourself. You know, we have an inner guidance. We're connected to where we came from. And we we never got disconnected. We just forgot.
and became unconscious of it. We can get it back. And that discernment is an automatic byproduct of reconnecting to yourself. And one, you know, we talk about being victims of mind control and how the governments are doing these programs like MKUltra and the other ones. But the biggest mind control is that we're not beings of God, we're not spiritual beings, we're just pieces of dust and helpless, dependent on authorities to tell us what to do. None of that was ever true. So it's still there inside you. And this whole idea of meditation that Dr. Cousins and other spiritual teachers talk about all the time is because reconnecting is the key to everything for all of us. Taking it from belief and theory and ideas to actual experience, which is the whole world of difference. And uh, in the middle of this environment that he's talking about of lies and deception and illusion and things not being what they seem and authority figures with great seriousness telling you that something is true when it's obviously not, you can discern all that without stress and effort by reconnecting inside. You're an incredible being. You always were. Your nature is not horrible. It's God didn't make garbage. You know, so get back in touch with it. Drop the ego junk. There's nothing we have to fight about or defend. We're all from the same source. Get in touch with yourself. And walk through you. Everything else comes from that. So, anyway, thanks for taking the time to be with us. I appreciate it. Dr. Cousins is at drcousins.com and treeoflife.co.mn.co. And we have... Uh, Lost Arts Radio at lostartsradio.com and planetaryhealingclub.com. All of our programs are there. The ones that YouTube hasn't deleted for our protection, of course. They've deleted most of them. But we're on many other platforms as well. And you can be in touch with us anytime. There are contact forms on the websites. And uh, you're welcome in Planetary Healing Club to join us if you want to do the work that Dr. Cousins is talking about in between the meditations main chunk of time and start directing your consciousness in a way where we can turn these things around. So thanks for caring about life and about the fate of humanity. It's really in your hands. You have more power than you think. So respect it. Use it wisely. And we'll see you here next time. Take care.